Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning again, everybody. All right. Um, you guys ready for the commercials today? Super Bowl commercials? That's the reason I watch it, just for the commercial. And the food. Any watch it for those two reasons only? Okay, does anybody watch the Super Bowl? Let's start with that question right here. Okay, not many of you. Wow, okay. Well, you don't have to clap, okay? It's a... Well, today we're going to continue in our um, series, Letter to Ephesus. Uh, we take a, a chapter a week of a uh, book. This one we're in is Ephesians. And we take a theme out of it. This morning I'm going to take it from Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 10. And I've called it Rags to Riches. And uh, I want to get right into it uh, because... Uh, Today I have four points, not three. And how many think I can never get done, four, get to four points, annoying me by now? Anybody think I can make four points? Yeah. Okay, you don't think I can get to four points. You don't think I can make four. Okay. You think I can make it? Thank you, Aaron. God bless you. You're going to heaven. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but it's a rag to riches uh, ver- set of verses, and, and they're one of the coolest sets, actually. There are a lot of them in the New Testament. It's so good. But these are really, really good. Paul's a writer, and... Um, I want to begin in this Rags to Riches message with this. How many of ever, you know the story of Cinderella? Okay. No. Twelve of you. Good. You're, you're, you're read a lot. You're really read up. Um, but Cinderella, she's under an evil um, stepmother, taskmaster. And there she sits by the chimney there, I think, in the basement. Thus the name Cinderella. And she wants to, eventually, she's held back by them, and she, she wants to go to the ball. And, uh, and she gets the opportunity, and we all know who know the story, we know how that happens. And she gets there, and she catches the eye of the prince. And he begins to dance with her. And they have a great night. But we all know in the story, the witching hour is coming, Correct? And she's got to get back before everything changes, back to what it is. And so she splits, she leaves as it strikes near midnight. And as she leaves and runs, she drops one thing. And what's that one thing? That glass slipper. And she takes off as things are changing back to what they were. But the prince picks up the glass slipper. And he figures, I got to find this girl. I don't know who she is. And he goes to the whole realm because he knows that whoever wears this size 17 shoe. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. Um, But he's got to find her. And when he finds her, the person, they're going to fit in this shoe. And when he does, she puts it on and she's the one. And she goes from rags to riches. She goes from being under this evil stepmother, living under their domain, stuck there in bondage, basically. And she goes from rags to riches and marries the prince and happily ever after in the whole thing. When I read Ephesians chapter 2, that's exactly what's going on in our lives in a spiritual dimension. That we once, as if you're a follower of Christ, If you're a born-again believer 
and you've placed your faith in Jesus, and I mean you're the real deal. You were once under the evil taskmaster, the step-parent, Satan. And you were held in bondage. And life was a big rut. And one day you got to go to the ball. Might be church or somewhere where Jesus Christ was being preached. And you gave your life to Christ. And everything began to change because now you entered into a relationship with the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And he slipped the shoe or shoes for those who understand, let he who has ears know, understand. Prodigal, he slipped the, shoe, the shoes on your feet and they fit. And you began to follow Christ. And it's been a whole new experience for you because now you're in, you're in, the, in the palace. You're a, a royal priesthood, the New Testament says. You're royalty now because you're in relationship with this Prince of Peace. That's what Ephesians chapter two is all about first 10 verses and today I'm going to take you through that I'm going to take you through fourth thing. I'm going to take you through the problem the person the path and the poem there's four P's that I want to take you through so here we go I got to get right to it Ephesians chapter 1 and first thing is the problem and the problem is it's me say me, me. now Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 through 3 says this and you were dead in your trespasses and sins you is me and you and everybody on the planet in which you formerly walked formally walked before you became a follower of Christ according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air that's just another title for Satan he's the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience there's a demonic spiritual thinking out in this world it works in the sons of disobedience I was in it before as a follower of Christ you were in it before in that mentality and thinking under that power among them we too all formally live in the lusts of our flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest now let me break it down in a, in a way that Jim Del Campo would say it. in verse 1 it says we were dead in our trespasses we we're dead in our sins now dead doesn't mean that oh I, I croaked it doesn't mean that dead means in scripture that we're separated from God because of sin Adam and Eve have relationship with God in the garden and then they sin they didn't croak they didn't die but he said they would die and so it has to mean something other than physical death it means separation from God because of sin and sin is a separator from God so now we find that's us that's who we were we are the problem we are the sinners for all of sin not just out there but in here too for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God amen to that one it says in verse 2 that we formerly, we used to, before we came to Christ, we used to walk according to the course of the world. Now, the world system, it's the ideologies and the thinking of the culture out there. Now, that's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we're destroying speculations, 
and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. There are ideologies out there. There are thinking processes that as I walk according to the word of God, I am destroying those speculations and ideologies that used to be rooted in my mind. Any amens to that one? And that's what you're doing in your life if you're following Christ and reading this word of God. Then it says that I was living it according to the prince of the power of the air. There's my evil step-parent, like Cinderella had the evil stepmother. Satan, he was my, basically my, uh, he was my boss. He controlled me. He manipulated my thoughts, my thinking, and I walked according to that. And then it says in verse 3 that when I lived that, that I was living according to the lusts of my flesh, in other words, that nature in me, that old nature, indulging the desires of my old nature and of the mind, and I was by nature, stop right there for a second, when before I came to Christ, and this, is the, this was the big transition, I used to live according to my desires, what I wanted. I would indulge myself. It was about me. And then when I came to Christ, I was set free from that, but how many know that is the struggle of life is it not as a Christian my desires versus God's desires my desires versus choosing what's best for other people especially within the close relationships but this includes all people and that's a struggle the struggle but I live for myself I want to do what I want to do I'd use whoever I wanted to use it was just about me and then I came to Christ and then that transition moment comes but read on the end of verse 3. When I was living that way, before I came to Christ, it says I was by nature a child of wrath. In other words, I was destined for hell, and I get it. Somebody's going to say, I don't believe in hell. What an arrogant statement. Just because you've never been there doesn't mean hell doesn't exist. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. Why do you think he did that? Why did the God-man do that? He's warning us. It's not a place you want to go to. Because if you get there, it's forever and ever and ever, like Sandlot, forever. There's no, there's no turning back. There's no getting out of there. So, the problem. The problem is me. I'm a sinner. He lays it out point blank. I'm a sinner. I'm in trouble because of that sin. Now, lest we think, well, Jim, you know, I'm a pretty good person and I think because I'm a good guy and good gal and I'm a pretty righteous dude or righteous gal I'm going to make it to heaven I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a good person I'll make it to heaven Isaiah said this this is an Old Testament prophet who really did live and he said this about that for all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment say filthy garment and all of us wither like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away the translators have kind of softened it up first but this is a very gross statement and I'm going to tell you what he's saying he says our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment say filthy garment, filthy garment. That, the words filthy garment in the Hebrew it's the idea here it is it's what it means of used menstrual cloths kind of gross huh that our righteousness is like that. And you have to put it in the context of compared to God's righteousness, I'm a good person, I can do good deeds. No, compared to God, 
My righteousness and yours is like used menstrual cloth. So I got a problem. I got a big problem. My good works cannot get me to heaven. It can't get me there. I am a child of wrath, and I am destined there. It's, it's, it's a done deal. Unless something happens. And then something did happen. And that's point two, the person. And that's God. Now comes the person, God. Now watch verse four, five, six, and seven. It says this. But God. Say, but God. Say it again. But God. Sounds so good. Say it again. But God. It's one of the ten, top 10 statements, I think, in all of Scripture. But God. And I'll get back to that in a second. Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Stop right there. I got to make a comment on this. Second service people, some of you are like this, but there's more people in first service because they have more hangups in first service, okay? No. There are people in first service, it starts at nine o'clock, but they're out there at 8.30 in the lobby. There's a reason they're out there at 8.30. It's not to get coffee either. They're after something else. What do you think they're after? They want their seat. And you better not sit in their seat. Guys, they even send a scout in during practice. And for, when we're up here practicing, we, we go through a full practice before anybody ever gets here. They send a scout in and they put papers on seats that they want saved. And with their names on it. The gall, right? Because that's their seat. Well, and I told them in first service, I go, that's not the seat that, you're worried, that you need to worry about. As a follower of Christ, there is a seat safe for you. And while you sit here right now, you are also seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus next to God the Father. Did you know that? That you're seated in two places right now. Not just here, but as a follower of Christ, you're seated there. That's your position. You posi you're positioned next to God the Father. You're accepted. You're loved. You're all those things. Never forget that. Now, seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, verse 7. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness. Stop. You'll never be kind. You'll never be kind to everyone until you get the grace of God and you understand it in your life. As a believer in Christ, you have the grace of God. But do you really get it? Do you really understand it? And grace means you are favored and you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I'm a stinker and so are you. But God graces us. And once I can realize he graces me the stinker, then I can grace other people and be kind to them. Any amens? That's called growing up in your faith. That's called walking in the true realm of what the Spirit wants you to walk in and not walk around all hard and keep up. No, no, no. You're kind now. You can be kind now because of the grace of God in your life. It says, grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, let me get to what this is saying to us because I just want to do a little commentary there as I went along. Say, but God. My life was a mess. And God jumps into my mess as he jumped into yours. Amen to that one? Here comes the prince, 
the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God. And here comes God, jumps into my mess. And why? It says in verse 4, because God is rich in mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is the what? And mercy means you, I'm, he's not going to give you and I what we deserve. Question, what do you and I deserve as, as sinners? What do we deserve? We deserve hell. But he's not going to give us that. He opens up this door, an opportunity that if I put my faith in him, that he gives me mercy. I'm not going to give you what you deserve, Jim, but that's the what. What's the why underneath the what? And that is this, being rich in mercy because of his great love. See, when I walk in the love, when I fully understand the love of God and how God loves me and the grace of God in my life, that's the why. That's the underlying motivation. Then I can give anybody mercy. I'm not going to give you what you deserve, whatever you did to me. I'm not going to pay it back in any way, shape, and form that justifies in my mind what I think I, I'm entitled to. I don't do that anymore because that's not what Jesus does. So I walk in this new way of God because of the why, the, the love in my life. Now, but God, but God, God favors me. I'll just, let me just tag real quick on what I talked about last week very quickly. God favors me. You know what it means? I'm not rejected. I'm not rejected. And I've been around a long time, so I know a good percentage of people walk around with feelings of rejection in their life, with feelings of abandonment, feelings that people don't want you, feelings that that person you're dating is going to walk out on you, your spouse is going to walk out on you. You live in that. But when you walk in this newness of life, but God, then I don't walk in feelings of rejection. And therefore, since I don't walk in it, I don't reject you, and I'm not worried about that. I can actually walk in grace and mercy and love. Any amens to that one right there? Amen. Now, so but God, look. We were trapped. We were under the taskmaster. We were stuck in our sins, separated from, but God, and the prodigal son comes home. And he says to himself as he's walking home, the only thing I can ever be again, Luke chapter 15, the only thing I can ever be again is I, I'm gonna ask my dad because he's blown his life. He's messed it up. He blew the inheritance. He was out partying, doing everything. And he's coming back to dad. It's a picture of God the Father and us coming to God. And he's rehearsed. He says, Father, all I know I can be in your, in your life, I'll just, because dad is wealthy. Dad has a big ranch. He's a picture of God the Father. He says, Dad, I know all I can ever be now is some worker on your, on your ranch. I, can't, I know I can never be a son again. I've blown it. I get it. And then it says in Luke 15, was, as the son's telling this, and then it says, but the father, but God, but the father, but God, but the father. That's when God injects. That's when God comes in and he transitions life because we, God jumps into our mess when he came down earth in the form of Jesus Christ, the God-man, and he goes, God jumps into our mess. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Any amens to that one? It's a but God moment in all of our lives, but it doesn't end there. There's the problem, me. There's the person, God, and now comes the path, and that's grace through faith. Number three, grace through faith. Now watch this. Verse eight and nine. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Now, there's a transition here. Now I'm saved by grace through faith. 
Now, watch this, watch this. If you have your Bible, if you actually carry a Bible, use a Bible, or you on your phone, however you have it. In verse 2, look back at it. It says that before we came to Christ, it says in which you formally, say formally, formally walked according to the course of this world, according to the principle of the air. Before I come to Christ, I walked a course, I walked a path, and so did you. Did you not? And that pathway was according to the world out there, according to the ideologies and the thinking. Now watch. So I was walking this way, August 12th, 1979. I was living for myself, indulging my flesh, doing what I wanted to do under the domain of Satan. I did not know it. And I'm walking this way. And somewhere at about 8.30 that night, I asked Christ into my life. And then all of a sudden, this was about face. It was a 180. And Jesus one day said, I am the way, the truth, and the... Try it again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I used to be walking this course before I came to Christ. I was separated from God. I'm the problem. And then here comes the person, God, the God-man cross. And now comes the path, faith through grace. I put my faith in Jesus. I turn around and now I'm walking. I am the way. I'm in God's way now. Not in his way, but in his pathway. Do you follow me so far? And I'm in the way. Thus, therefore, next step, I'm in the louder I'm in the truth now because I'm in Christ I'm in the truth the truth of God's word I can never truly walk in the fullness of God until I'm studying and reading the Bible if you're not reading the Bible or studying it you will never walk in the fullness of God because your mind will be polluted and diluted by the culture out there by the ideology of the world any amen to that one? so you're constantly transforming your thinking constantly you have not arrived you will not arrive until you get to heaven so I'm walking in the way now I'm walking in the truth and once I start walking in truth something happens now in my life he says I'm the way the truth and the what and the life now I walk in the life now my life starts to make some real cool changes I'm really emulating you know what God wants me to do in my life now think about that that's exactly now you start finding success in your life in relationships to everything else now I want you to think 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 in Tuesday nights verse by verse we study Joshua right now we're in that book Joshua the secret to his success is this this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night and you'll be careful to do everything that is written in it I'm to think it I'm to speak it and I'm to live it in Joshua 1.8 and when I start doing that I'm walking in the way the truth and the the life and he says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall be careful to meditate on day and night and then you will make your way prosperous and then you will find success God honors the person who honors God's word and lives God's word God can't help himself. He's just going to do that. And then you're going to start to see your life change. And your life change. Because why? Because of the person, God. We were a problem. We're sinners. Here comes the person. And he gives us a path. Faith through, grace through faith. Now let me tell you the problem. This is a problem people deal with out in the world. Trying to get them to come to Christ. People out in the world, many people think, I can just be a good person. And now when I get, when I die, when I face God, I, I, I was a good person. 
okay? How many of you have ever heard this one? I just obey the Ten Commandments. That's what I do, and I'm going to get there. Anybody heard that one before? Ask them if they could name the Ten Commandments. <laughs> I doubt they can. Let me show you why that thinking is going to end you, end up, you're going to end up in hell if you think that way. Let's go back to 1981. That's the year I asked Olivia to marry me. Best day of her life. <laughs> Best day of my life. But let's pretend it's that night. It was early April. And I had a big cookbook in my hand. But like this, about that thick. And I knelt down on one knee. And I had the cookbook. And I said, Olivia, I want to marry you one day. I want to marry you in about 65 years. But I need you to take this cookbook. And I need you to learn all these recipes and cook them. <laughs> and you got to get it right. Because after 65 years, there's going to be a test. And if you pass the test, then I'll marry you. Do you think Olivia would take that deal? Would any of you ladies take that deal? You know why? Because you're not insane. But think about the culture out there. Some people think, I'm just, I'm just going to take the cookbook and I'm going to try to get as good as I can get it. I'm going to try to pass it all. I'm going to try to get it all. They couldn't even tell you all the rules and laws in here anyway. They, I'm going to try to get it all. And then at the end of my life, I'm going to sit there. I'm going to pass the test that I've got every one of these rules down pat. Could anybody ever pass that? No, you'll be rejected. That's why thinking that you can get there, stand before God and think, if I just keep the rule, if I'm just a good person, I want to make, he's not going to let you in. You can't, you can't get there. You're a sinner like me. If we're saved by the grace of God through faith. It's the blood of Jesus and that's it. You, we can't work our way to him through good deeds. He had to come down to us. Does that make any sense at all? And so this is where the rags to riches story continues. Now God does that. Now, once I put my faith in him, and by the way, faith and belief, the words, and you hear me say it a lot because I want you to get it. It does not mean, well, I believe there's a God. That means nothing. That will send more people to hell than anything else. You believe there's a God, so what? You know, it says the demons believe in God. And it says they tremble, but that means nothing. That's what James wrote, the half-brother of Jesus. He wrote that. Now, once I put my faith in Christ, here comes the last part. It's, it, it, it's the poem. Number four, you know, it's the new me, the new me. Now watch verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Say workmanship. workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which in Christ, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Are Christians called to be good deed doers? You better believe we are. You better believe we are. We're called to, because of the love, the why, and mercy and grace. We're called to do these things. Workmanship. It's a cool word that Paul uses. The word is the idea of a poem. We are God's poem. When I put my faith in Christ, and so did you as a follower, now we hand over the reins of our life, and God now takes the pen and begins to write the poem of our life. And we begin to walk in it. It's not my will anymore, it's God's will in my life. So God gets to write our story. And he writes a better story, doesn't he? 
Let me tell you something that happens to me. Sometimes when I go to the movies, it's a dud of a movie. Has anyone ever had that experience? Just a terrible story. It's just this, who put this thing, who wrote this? And then here's what I think. It's not my only thought in my brain, so I have more thoughts. And I think this, every time I sit in a movie, this is like, oh. I think to myself, somebody spent $100 million on this. I w- they should have just given me the money. I could have taken the money, paid off the facilities, plant more churches to reach more people, to have more great stories that are rags to riches stories than watch this bomb on the screen. Amen? If they just give me, if they were wise, they'd give me the money. And I could do much more with it, much more good than they did with that money. But they don't give it to, they don't understand that in Hollywood. But God's writing our story. Now, so I I just didn't know how to end this mess. I was just struggling with it, struggling with it, and I had one ending, I didn't like that. I tried another one, I didn't like that. And then I asked my wife something last night, she goes, I I don't know, I can't think of it. I go, you're not all, you know. I just, I didn't say that. But we, I just, I I was stumped, I was just stumped. And and then about, I woke up about a little after five, and about 5.30, I'm laying there, my eyes closed, and I thought, and the Holy Spirit just, bang, drops it in. I go, that's it. That's it. So here it is. I'm a movie guy. <laughs> that, okay, that one's not, that didn't take a long time to come up with that. Okay. But those of you who are new here, first time, you, you don't understand what that means, but I get it. So um, the poem, God's writing the poem. I'm a real, I tell people periodically, I'm a lucky guy. And I don't believe in luck at all, at all. Because I got to do what I was supposed to do in my life. And I know that. I don't know that everybody gets to say that. I know I was born again to do what I do. I know it. And not everybody's called to be a preacher, teacher, pastor. Not every, you're called to do your vocation and to be an ambassador for Christ out there in that world. And that's just as valid as what I'm doing. But I know this is what I was called to do. So I'm sitting, I'll get to the movie in a second. So I'm, I'm, I gather with my buddies. I shared this on a Tuesday night, verse by verse. So I'm gathering with my friends. I, every so often, some high school friends of mine gather together. About every six months when they come to town from other states, and we were all good friends. We gathered together. We talk, and, um, you know, and, and you know what the crazy thing is? Is that uh, I graduated from high school 50 years this June, 50 years ago. Who said, wow? <laughs> I'll give you, I was thinking about this this last week, and, and I remember heard this. Ever heard of Benny and the Jets, a song? That song is 50 years old right now. Right now. I was a senior in high school. I was a basketball player. That was a popular song at the time. Corona High School, Panthers. And, uh, but I, we always talk, me and my buddies. And we, um, you know, if you get around your old friends, you go over the same old stupid bonehead stories you guys did, right? And it's fun every time. It doesn't matter how many times you get together, you're going to say them, and it's just fun. Because you think about, what an idiot I was when I was in high school. But then I thought, I'm going to inject something this time. 
At a certain point when someone came up, I injected, I said, when I graduated from high school, guys, there's five of us, when I graduated from high school, I had no idea what I was going to do in life. I had no direction. Nobody gave me direction. Nobody pushed me in a direction. I was lost, man, just lost. And man, then they start all opening up, one by one. I told him about my past, alcoholism in the family, nights when my dad would be just yelling out of control, and they, you, they knew my dad drank, and they always thought it was funny and cool, and then they found out, they go, that's really what happened? I go, that's really what happened, guys. That's, you didn't see that. And so I was just a lost person. I didn't know what to do. And one by one, they're opening up. Even the guy that I thought knew what he wanted to do right out of high school, he said, I got no direction either. I just happened to land in this. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was shocked at that one. Then the guy over here says this, and really bitter, he goes, I got no help from my parents. And I thought, oh gosh, you're too old to carry bitterness. But he was really adamant about it. And I thought, and then I come to Christ. Then here comes the but God moment. That God jumps into my mess. This dysfunctional guy. And I gave my life to Christ. And I went from being a gym rat, going to the basketball, playing basketball all the time, to a church rat. I was always in church. What do you need me to do? What do you want me to do? I was just do it. And then little by little, I started to define myself. And then one day somebody said, we want you to teach a message. I go, and I've never been afraid of microphones or standing in front of a crowd. You know me, I'm shy. Yeah. I said, Okay. And it kept defining itself. And then finally, it came to the point at age 29 that I knew what I was supposed to do in my life. Now. And the rest is history. Now, I'm a movie guy. Let me get back to this. God writes your poem. He wrote my poem. But I had to surrender to him. How many of you have ever seen the movie A Knight's Tale? Heath Ledger. Raise your hand. I'd like to know. The rest of you, I'm going to ruin it for you. I gave you 20-some years. I gave you 20-some years. It's a great movie. Gosh, the way they made this movie and the injection of songs from, you know, in the last 30 years and whatever, and they're so cool. Especially when they ride into that last thing, the boys are back in town, that scene, oh, man, I was just digging it. Did I say digging it? Yeah, I did. It was so boss and groovy, so. But it's this guy. His name's Will. Will Thatcher. And there's the scene near the beginning when his father, John Thatcher, they're just dirt poor. They're dirt poor. And he wants a better life for his boy, who's nine years old. And it's right there at the dock. And he's going to hand his son, nine years off, to grow up and work for this man who has means. He has money. They can give Will a better future. And they're sitting there at the dock. And Will's nine years old. And the dad says to him, I want you to change your stars. I, I want you to have a better life than I could ever give you or, or had. And then Will, nine-year-old Will says, can a man really change his stars? And the dad says, yes, he can, Will. And then the dad gets in the boat, they're gone, and the son's gone. And then years go by. It's a great movie. It's a great story. Will, through a series of events, becomes this top-ranked champion jouster in medieval times. 
And he finally works his way back to the city where he grew up in. And he's one of the top in the, of these jousters. People scream his name. His dad lives adjacent in this one area of the city. And it's like, it's, it's like Poorsville. I mean, dirt poor people. But he hasn't seen his dad in a couple decades. And he goes looking for his father. And he runs into somebody in the neighborhood. And he says, does a man named John Thatcher live around here? And the person says, yes, sir. They live right up there. He says, sometimes you see him looking out the window, but that's sad. He goes, why is that sad? He goes, well, he's blind now, sir. He's blind. So Will Thatcher, he goes up there. The dad doesn't know it's him. Dad's blind. And he comes in the house. And he starts talking to his dad. Dad doesn't know it's him. And then finally, after a series of the conversation, the dad knows it's his boy. But he's blind. And he says this to his boy. Did he change his stars? And Will says, yes, he changed the stars. And the dad starts just weeping. And, you know, they embrace. And the whole thing. Listen to me. The rags to riches story. Not only do you get an eternity with Jesus Christ, but you can have a change of your stars right now. Things can change. Things can change. Whatever you thought was one way doesn't have to be. It could be this way. Because God writes the poem of your life and mine if we surrender it to Him and obey the book. And the great thing is, the father, John Thatcher, was blind. His great hope was that my son would have a better life than I had. Isn't that the cry of every parent? I want my kids to even have a better life than I ever had. And I'll do whatever it takes for that life to be better. See, not only do you change your stars as a parent when you come to Christ, by changing your stars, you can help change the stars of your children as they come to Christ, as you grow up a much healthier person, as you follow Christ. It changes everything in the family. You break the old cycles that were so destructive, and you implement the new cycles according to God's Word, and it changes everything. And it changes. You can change your stars through the God, man, Jesus Christ. But God. But God. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We were a mess, and we are a mess at times. And you jump into our mess. I'm the problem, but you're the person who can solve the problem. And you walked among us. And you went to a cross. And you took my mess with you on that cross. You carried my sins and you paid the price for them. And you shed your blood. You died. Then you shed your blood to forgive my sins. And then they buried you. And three days later, you rose from the dead. I witnessed by nine writers in 27 documents in history. Ours is not a 
just believe it type faith. It's an evidence-based faith where there's eyewitnesses. But you came to change our stars too. You came to set us in eternity. But you came to change our stars. If we would just come to you, surrender our life to you, and live by the book. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. And be careful to do all that is written therein. And then you'll find success and then you'll be prosperous. That's for anybody. But you gotta surrender. And you gotta make Jesus your God. Because he jumped into your mess and mine. It's a rags to riches story. If you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus and faith is jumping in two feet first in the deep end, it's not just like I said, it's not just, well, I believe there's a God. No, that's not it, guys. Jesus is God. You got to jump on the Yellow Brook Road and you stay on the Yellow Brook Road. You're going all the way now. That's what faith is. That activates the grace of God in your life. And you can be saved. And your life can be set eternally. And you can start living a better life today as you begin to change your thinking and don't buy into the culture out there. Because God honors His Word in a person's life if they obey it. So if you'd like to place your faith in Christ today, because you never have, and become a follower of Jesus, and I'm serious, a follower of Jesus, great. Or if you backslid and you've walked away, it's time to come back and let that glass slipper, the shoes of the prodigal, be put back on you and live your rag to riches story. So if you'd like to place your faith in Christ because you never have, or you'd like to rededicate your life and this time forever, this is it. You're not turning back. I want you to do one thing as a sign between you, me, and God. I want you to open up your eyes right where you're at if you want to do this and look up at me I'm going to look back at you and once our eyes meet you can close them but do it right now now those who looked up at me this is the holy moment of your life this is where you're going to place your faith in Jesus you're going, you're going to but you believe that Jesus is God he's the only God deity that he did come to earth and he did die for your sins death he was buried in that tomb and he rose three days later resurrection deity death resurrection that's the gospel and you're going to believe that now and the spirit of God is going to come into your life as you say this prayer I want you to say I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me everyone's going to say it with you you are not alone but you now believe that now and when you do that the spirit of God is going to come to dwell in your life the spirit that created the entire universe out of nothing is going to come into your life. So here we go. Everybody say it with them. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me enough to jump in my mess, to deliver me from my sins, to wash away my sins. Thank you. Thank you for shedding blood, your blood on the cross to forgive my sins. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sins, and I know I'm forgiven. Today I choose to follow you with my entire life. 
Thank you for saving me. Allow me to pray. Now, God, I pray for everybody that looked up. For you, friend. Because God saw this now. God's Spirit dwells in this room, dwells in people who are born again. He saw this. God's Spirit now dwells in you through faith. And now it's time for you to start walking a different course like I taught earlier. It's time to read the Bible now. If you don't have one, we have prayer team after service. They can get Bibles for you or people at the front desk can get Bibles for you. Read the New Testament. Stay in there for a couple years to learn about your Savior. And begin to walk for Jesus. Begin to grow in Him. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. It's not even being easy being a non-believer. But at least you have Jesus Christ helping you to grow through all your problems and trials. And He is the solution. Because He is the answer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. We know all of heaven rejoices. This is the real Super Bowl. This is the real win today. Thank you, God, for your goodness to us that you would jump into our mess and write a new poem in our lives in our rags to riches story. In Jesus Christ we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen and amen. Stand up with me, everybody. Here we go. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. Stop. We're going to do it again because you didn't all say it. I'm watching. You're like... I want to hear it. I want everybody. Come on. You're born again? Come on. Here we go. Lord, keep me outward focused. And fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for. And make me into a generous person like you. There we go. Take advantage of the prayer partners over here. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day. See you Tuesday night Bible study. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.